right, folks. Welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am excited to talk about last night's Denver Nuggets win as the Nuggets defeat the Detroit Fighting Pistons. Final score, 131 to 114. Uh, not necessarily a barn burner. I wouldn't describe it as such. That was definitely not the greatest game I've ever attended. Now, there were some fun moments, and everybody should be happy to see Jamal Murray go off. Everybody should be happy to see uh, different things happen with Peyton Watson and Nikola Jokic just vibing, and uh, even Michael Porter got off to a great start. Uh, what's up, Dr. Van Nostrand? Really appreciate you stopping by. Thank you for hopping in the chat. Uh, it has been a good time here at Pickaxe and Roll and here with Mile High Sports. Everybody, it would be awesome if you could rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. If you are listening on the audio side, if you're on the YouTube side, make sure to like and subscribe to the MHS channel as we continue to grow the channel at a rapid rate. It's been it's been awesome to see this thing continue to pop off and. Uh, some some interesting things are going on behind the scenes that have been uh, very helpful, very helpful for sure. So hopefully everybody's having a good day. I hope you're having a good Monday. If not, then let me break it up for you. That would be tremendous. Uh, I know that everybody would like they're not super steezed on, on what the Detroit Pistons game means for the Nuggets, but we're going to do it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about what happened. We're going to talk about Jamal Murray. We're going to talk about Peyton Watson and uh, I'm going to chat at the end just about what Jamal Murray's actual all-star chances are, actually. So, should be interesting to chat. Um, let's go over this game first. Let's go over some of the details here. Denver, uh, they win every quarter except for the fourth. The game was over by the end of the by the fourth quarter, and uh, Denver was up 23. It wasn't something that anybody really needed to stress about. Uh, Denver had lost their previous two third quarters by, I think, a combined score of about 30 points. So Denver needed to bounce back in the third quarter. They were up at by a halftime by about seven. And Jamal Murray had been going off. He had scored 24 of his points in the first half. And then there was the message in the in the hallway from Jamal and from other guys that they need to come out, make the third quarter great, can't let Detroit back into the game. And it was good to see. It was good to see Denver sort of take that by the horns. Uh, Nikola Jokic in particular, he didn't score, but he had about eight or eight or nine assists in the third quarter alone and could have carved up Detroit well into the 20 assist, 25 assist range if he wanted to in the fourth quarter. Uh, but obviously Denver didn't have to bring him back in, although it was kind of on the precipice. It was on the precipice uh, for a little bit there. So nice to see Denver not have to bring Nikola Jokic back into a a game that was already in hand. He only played 25 minutes, the the second least of the starters actually, which was good to see. Um, so he had four points, sixteen assists, five blocks, uh, seven rebounds. I'm surprised he didn't have as many rebounds. Uh. Detroit actually was good on the the offensive glass. They had plenty of opportunities to go attack the glass, and I don't think Denver did a particularly good job on that end of things. Like they had 32 defensive rebounds and gave up 13 offensive, and 
some of those uh, defensive rebounds came in the last stages of the game. But Jokic in particular, I, I think, could have given a little bit more on the defensive glass, but it's fine. It's not like that's a very small detail. Um, but 16 assists and five blocks is very hard to argue with. Plus 16 in this game. He was great. There's no doubt about that. And it, it's always unique to see a center do that, right? Like you're just never going to ever see anything like that from any other player in NBA history. Like this, this just doesn't happen. So I saw something actually come across the timeline. I don't remember who said it, but late career Jokic stat lines are going to be incredible. And it's true because you're going to get a lot of these. You're going to get a lot of, hey, I'm going to grab 25 rebounds tonight. You're going to get, yeah, I might score an occasional uh, 20 points, but mostly it's going to be 10 points, 10 assists, 10 rebounds. It's going to look like late career Jason Kidd. It's going to be awesome. Um, But yeah, the tech. Uh, Cosmic says here, probably could have gotten the record without that tech, but the fact that he got 16 is insane in and of itself. Yeah. Uh, I think his career high for assists was 18, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just check that real quick. Uh, I don't think he's had more than 18 in his career. Uh, yes, 18 is the number. He did it this year, uh, tied a career high. He also did it back in 2020-21. And yeah, that would have been awesome. That would have been awesome to see. Unfortunately, it didn't happen. He got a tech and... I think Michael Malone did the right thing there in sort of pulling him out of the game. He he got him out a little bit early at like the the three minute mark of the of the third quarter, and usually in those situations, like when Denver's blowing out another team, he plays Jokic all the way till the end of the third quarter so he could rack up some extra stats and then not have to come back in in the fourth. Uh, that didn't happen because of the tech and because Ben Taylor uh, doesn't like fun and doesn't like uh, like clearly is just kind of a. Uh, a weirdo, if I'm being honest. I'm not not a fan of Ben Taylor's game as a referee, that's for sure. Uh, but look, it sometimes it happens. Jokic got frustrated. He picked up a tech uh, for flopping, I think. And cool, man. Like, awesome. I, yeah, that's that's just, I'm, I'm so over this referee discussion where Jokic, like, he picks up some random offensive fouls and then like a defensive foul that clearly wasn't a defensive foul. And then he looks at the refs funny one time and they just, they don't treat him with any respect. It's wild. I don't, I don't get it. Um, the playoffs will be different. Like just because you, you have to have the best referees and Ben Taylor is going to, he'll probably not ref in the playoffs if we're being honest, or if he does, he probably won't ref Denver. Um, he's not a good referee. So look, and it's fine. It's not not that dramatic of a thing. But yeah, Jokic could have set some major records in this last game if he wanted to. 20 assists, 25 assists, whatever you want to call it. Most assists by a center. Like that that would have gone down in flames. But we should talk, talk about Jamal Murray here. Uh, 37 points. 37 points for Jamal Murray. And he's been dealing with some criticisms, obviously. I've talked about those criticisms on this podcast and thought that he played a poor game last game. And his process was really bad on Friday against the Orlando Magic. And that was fine. Like, look, sometimes your process is going to be bad. And it's, it doesn't mean you're a horrible human being. And I was trying to express that to the masses and that he's not a selfish player. And he goes out and shoots the ball 24 times tonight against Detroit and clearly had it going, clearly was hot. 
and it's hard to argue when it goes in. You know what I mean? Like he is, he's controlling the tempo, controlling the pace, uh, making Detroit pay for being uh, horrible for one thing, but it's kind of like what Joel Embiid does against these bad teams, against Detroit, against Charlotte, against Washington teams like that. I'm okay if Jamal Murray does it. Like that's, that's fine. Jamal Murray isn't like he's, he is a different level. It, like he's not a an MVP. Like that's just not who it is. He should take advantage of these moments. This is where you bone up on those numbers. This is where you possibly get an all-star bid and things like that as you go off in games like these and you make the most of that opportunity. Um, I thought that he played great. I thought that there were a couple times like offensively, defensively, where I questioned the decisions a little bit. But for the most part, it's hard to argue. 30 points or 30, 30 minutes, excuse me. 37 points, 14 of 24 from the field, 3 of 8 from 3, 6 of 7 from the line, 5 rebounds, 4 assists, 1 steal, 1 block. And the block that he had was on Cade, and that that block was sick. Like, he stood up Cade in the post. He, Cade is 6'8". He tried to move him, and Jamal just moved him backwards. It was crazy, um, which is great. That's, that's what you want to see from Jamal uh, is the post defense and playing strong and big man strength. And uh, he talked about his own post game in the pressers and he also gave me some crap for uh for talking and asking a little bit too many details on on his nuances of the pick and roll with uh Nikola Jokic versus DeAndre Jordan. Um I think going forward, I think that it would be a great idea, a great idea for Denver to add a permanent backup center that can roll to the rim, that can do a lot of the things that DeAndre did last night and somebody that Jamal Murray can stagger with and run a two-man game with of, of their own, that is a more traditional two-man game than the Jokic-Murray two-man. And the reason for that is Denver needs an identity with that second unit, and I love the idea of the identity of the second unit being, hey, Murray and the center are going to run 1-5 pick and roll, and Peyton Watson, Christian Brown, and whoever else, whether it's Julian Strother or, yeah, admit, let's say it's Julian Strother. Those guys can feed off of it and can spot up from three, can cut behind, uh, can run in transition to try to get out of the open floor. But most of the time, they are secondary tertiary options behind Murray running pick and roll. That is a good formula for the second unit. And I think that Denver should try to do everything that they can to add that kind of guy in free agency going forward, or or maybe it's at the trade deadline. But I do think that it would benefit everybody greatly if if Denver had somebody who could do that. Now, Denver does have a first-round pick in this 2024 draft upcoming, so maybe they could find somebody like that. But most important thing for Denver is to uh, recreate what just happened because Reggie was running some great moments of, of pick and roll, and I think that Murray can learn from that. Murray can absolutely get accustomed to that. And if you develop some chemistry in that situation, then he can help prop up some of those bench minutes. They weren't great. Like they weren't perfect. And the the first stint that he had was like it wasn't great statistically. And I don't think that he he ran things to perfection in that stretch. But I think that that's a moment of growth for the Nuggets as a team where they could come up with some really good plays and some really good moments if Murray continues to go to that. So we will see. Um, but hey, bench was pretty good. I'll, I'll get to them in, in the second segment. But Michael Porter, who had a lot of 
questions coming into this game, I will say. Plus 29 tonight in his 28 minutes. Did his job pretty well. Uh, Started off the game and was very aggressive in the first quarter. Denver fed him on a lot of possessions. I think he got seven shots up in the first quarter and had a couple playmaking possessions as well. So uh, good stuff for MPJ. 18 points, 7 of 12 from the field, 1 of 5 from 3. Uh, 3 of 3 from the line. He got fouled on a 3-point shot by Cade and only had one rebound and two assists and one like one turnover. So if we're if we're criticizing defensive rebounding, then maybe Porter and maybe Gordon frankly are the guys that you really look at because Gordon had zero defensive rebounds and Porter had one. Uh but look, uh Piston starters were pretty efficient in general. Uh the only guy who wasn't really efficient was Jaden Ivey. And actually Cade, I guess, but he he left after 11 minutes. He got hurt. Um, But yeah, Porter, I like the way that they started out with him. He and Murray were very, very aggressive in the first quarter. Both of them finding ways to impact the game. And I I, just, I like that mix. And, and Jokic, in a game like this, did not need to shoot, did not need to score. He was setting the table really well and had... Ultimately finished with 16 assists and two turnovers, was not credited with a third, which he was initially. So good to see from Denver. And they shoot 58.8% from the field. It was nice to see. And I just like the I like the way that Denver approached. I like the way that Denver approached for sure. They had some good moments, and I am glad to see them continue to grow. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to chat about Peyton Watson in the second segment. Uh, and then in the third segment, we'll go over some all-stars, some like cold stone locks in, in the, the all-star conversation, as well as some guys on the fringe and whether Jamal Murray can break into that. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. You can change the game with Superbook. You can win some money this season with the most trusted name in sports gambling that has a direct line to Las Vegas. And now when you use promo code MILEHIGH, you can score up to 250 bucks with their first bet bonus. Win or lose, Superbook will match your first bet up to $250 with the promo code MILEHIGH. So download the Superbook Sports app, enter that promo code, you'll get those 250 bucks courtesy of Superbook. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. Make sure to like, make sure to subscribe down below. Would obviously greatly appreciate it. Denver's off today. Uh, They have another off day tomorrow. They'll practice uh, and then they will travel in the afternoon to uh, Utah. It's a very short trip, just uh, basically a puddle jumper over to, uh, to Salt Lake City. I've done that trip. It is very quick. Could have honestly gone to this one, but say uh, la vie. And uh, Denver will have one more uh, road game before they'll come back for another two home games against uh, Indiana and some other team. Gosh, I keep, I, it's New Orleans. New Orleans on Friday. I will probably miss that game. Um, going to try to take some time away if I can. But um, 
but yeah, it's been been pretty good. And Denver, I think, is in a really good spot. They have lost a couple games here or there, mostly on the second nights of back to backs. But uh, Denver's twelve and three in their last fifteen, and they have moved in a positive direction. And I think one of the reasons for that is the bench. It is the bench, and it is Peyton Watson in particular. I'm gonna do this on the fly. Actually, we're gonna go to we'll go to NBA.com actually, and we're gonna go look up Peyton Watson's last 15 games uh, as a uh, just as stats, just as traditional numbers, and see if we can come up with hey, is he one of the reasons why Denver is as good as they are? Because in this last game he was, and he broke out in a big way, and I was really impressed with it. Um, Peyton Watson. Fifth on the team in points, in points per game, over Reggie Jackson, over KCP, over Julian Strother, over Christian Brown. Um, Jamal Murray leads in the last 15 games with uh, 22.9 points. Jokic is at 21.2. Aaron Gordon's at 15.8. Porter's at 14.3. Peyton Watson, fifth on the team, 10.3 points per game, 52.3% from the field, 43.5% from three. 74.2% from the line, uh, over three and a half rebounds, one assist, uh, half a steal, and 0.7 blocks. He's doing that in just over 20 minutes. I do think that there are reasons for growth. There are reasons for excitement with Peyton Watson. Uh, and one of the ones was just, he just scored really consistently yesterday. 15 points, 4 of 10 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3. And the first half, he wasn't great. I, I will say that. he I think he scored 0 points in the first half. But he scored 13 of his 15 in the third quarter and was one of the big reasons why Denver broke that open. They won the third quarter 43-28. to 28, And Watson was one of the most important reasons for that. He had two spot-up threes. He had a couple dunks. Uh, and then I think he had a couple of free throws as well. Uh, five of five from the free throw line, excuse me. And just seeing him continue to seeing him continue to grow. I didn't expect this level of scoring from him. I didn't expect the confidence with him shooting the spot up three. Because I think if you just look at him as as the the overall like stuff that he's doing as a player here, like in this season, it's now up to 35.3% from three, which is just not something that it's just not something anybody could have realistically expected with his shooting profile. And like the, the way that he shot free throws, the way that he shot in college, the way that he's shot before in his career, I wasn't expecting him to be a league average three point shooter. And yet he is, or at least he's approaching that. And he's also approaching the attempt volume. Uh, one thing that kind of differentiates him and Christian Brown is now Peyton Watson's averaging, let's say, 3.8 three-point attempts per 36 minutes. Uh, if I go to Christian Brown, I think it's I think Peyton's averaging more, which is just not something I expected. Yeah, Christian Brown's at 3.4 three-point attempts per 36 minutes. And... Having that confidence and having that willingness to take the shots and play through those mistakes and be somebody who can just go at it and do it without fear 
is so important and so valuable. And it's one of the reasons why Calvin Booth selected him. It's one of the reasons why Michael Malone is committed to him and continues to play him in these situations. He knows how important he can be. He knows how valuable that is. And it's awesome. It's just a very, very important avenue here. Uh, Ben Max says it best. I love that KCP had to hold him back after that tech. He is playing with aggression. He's playing with passion. And he is somebody who cares. How cool is that? That is one of the... That's one of the most important things for Denver. Is that they're going to have plenty of opportunities to continue to develop him. They aren't even at game 40 yet. And he is establishing himself as a consistent option. I didn't expect that. I don't think anybody really should have. Uh, Think about how many minutes Peyton Watson played last year. 186 minutes in 23 games. So far this year, he's at 639 minutes. 639 in 36 games. He's basically played every single moment, or every single game. Uh, Denver's played 38 as a team, I want to say. And he's played in 36 of those games. And I'm not sure if... I think there was one DNPCD. I'm not sure what the other one was. It might have been an injury. But he's just been out there getting better and improving and just really, really impressed with where he continues to go. And I get to talk to him every game post game, like when he goes to the podium. And he's just very confident there too. He's laughing. He's having a good time. He's getting, he's becoming a little bit more comfortable and confident in himself. Uh, and when you're 21 years old, it's no surprise or shouldn't be any surprise to anybody that he is a little bit tentative in some situations. But in terms of most 21-year-olds, he showcases the the confidence and the brashness and the willingness to kind of say, I belong. And that is such a cool thing. And that's one of the reasons why he's become like, I know Reggie has been the sixth man, but if we're talking about most important players, for Denver, it might be Peyton Watson. Very well might be Peyton Watson. Uh, He currently on the season is averaging 17.8 minutes per game, which is crazy to me because I feel like it should be more, Uh, which is it's he's the eighth man. Clearly Reggie's at 23.4. Christian Brown's at 19.8. Peyton Watson's at 17.8. I feel like those are going like opposite directions. I feel like Peyton's going up and Reggie and Christian are kind of going down, especially with Jamal getting back, getting healthy, with Jamal about to stagger, I think Reggie's minutes are about to go down, not significantly, but like enough that you're going to notice. And Christian Brown, like we're talking about options at the end of games. I thought that Christian Brown would be kind of filling that Bruce Brown role, kind of around on the wings and somebody who could be stable in these different options. Peyton has been more stable. I didn't expect that at all. So good to see him continue to grow in that regard. Uh, Other points from yesterday's game. Reggie Jackson, like I said, actually, I got to give Reggie some credit. 21 minutes, 13 points, nine assists, and one turnover. Uh, Just a really, really good all-around performance from Reggie. The defense is still like, I'm I'm always going to kind of harp on that because he is Denver's weakest link on the defensive end right now. Sometimes he gets lost. Sometimes he he gives up some buckets in the middle of the floor. And especially on offensive rebound opportunities where 
Uh, he, he is supposed to be the guy who does the thing, uh, whether it's a box out or grabbing a rebound or cutting off a drive or things like that and just doesn't do it. But I do think that 13 points and nine assists in 21 minutes is hard to replicate. And there is a reason why he was a plus 14. It is because his pairing with DeAndre Jordan yesterday was really, really good. Uh, he did a fantastic uh, kind of a Chris Paul impression a little bit with DeAndre Jordan. So that was nice to see. And it's one of those things that nobody could have ever really predicted that for Denver this year. Nobody did predict that for Denver this year. And Reggie has broken out above and beyond that on the season. If we're, if we're doing on the season numbers for the young guys, might as well do it for Reggie. He is at 12 points, 4.5 assists, and only 1.5 turnover. So basically a 3 to 1 assist to turnover ratio on the year while he's shooting nearly 47% from the field, 38% from three, 74 from the line. So that is a good, is a really, really good offensive season for Reggie Jackson. And his usage is high. He carries it pretty well. Uh, when he's out there with Jokic, he's a little bit more efficient, but but uh, still has some problems maintaining that efficiency when he's just isolating, when he's doing the pick and roll thing, uh, when it's especially when it's with Zeke. When it's with DeAndre, I think it makes more sense. So it's one of the reasons why I think Denver could benefit from getting a long-term solution at their rolling five, man. Like just just give it give some guy back up five minutes in place of Jokic, and that's a good option for the regular season. So I don't know. We'll see. Anything else? Not really. Uh KCP played 36 minutes. He played a lot, probably a little bit too much. Had 18 points, four rebounds, two assists and a or two steals and a block. Uh just continues to be that defensive force for Denver. And just one of those guys that like he wasn't perfect, but he continues to make these flash plays and these these handsy plays that disrupt everything that the opposing team wants to do when they attack KCP. So good to see that from him. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to ch- come and chat about the all-star discussion and whether somebody like Jamal Murray could make it or not. We will chat about, about that just for a second. But first, good morning, Broncos. Final segment, pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Let's wrap up here by talking about the all-star conversation. Uh, I kind of avoided the all-star voting ballots that that went out there. Those are mostly for the starters. I feel very comfortable that Jokic will be voted in as a starter in the Western Conference, and that Jamal Murray will not be for obvious reasons. Like there, there's a lot of awesome players in the NBA that definitely deserve that. And guys like Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Luka Doncic will probably be at the top of that list. And if not them, then Stephen Curry. But I think it's got to be Shea and Luka, in my opinion. And then you go to Jokic, LeBron, maybe Kevin Durant, maybe Kawhi Leonard, maybe Anthony Davis, but probably Jokic and LeBron at the top there for sure. Uh, LeBron's been great. He's been He's been really good. So he'll be voted in as a captain because he's going to... Uh, 
like he's going to command the voting totals from the LA markets, but also from NBA fans that just want to see LeBron play, which more power to them. That's fine. I do. I do want to get to that phrase where, or that place where Jokic is the leading vote getter in the Western conference. So we can make him do the all-star draft. Although I think, aren't they going back to East West? I, I forgot whether they were, um, they might be going back to East West and not doing the all-star draft. That's Somebody, somebody put that down in the comments if you can remember. Um, I th- these are just not the things that I I really get too uh, get too frustrated with. But either way, so you've got those five guys likely. I'm gonna say Jokic, LeBron, KD. We'll say KD is in that third front court spot, and then Shea and Luca. So that's five guys. Western Conference gets twelve. And there might be some injury replacements, so we will see what those ultimately look like. But right now, what I'm looking for are seven other players to represent the Western Conference. And when you start going through some of those names, it gets pretty easy to identify who should be in there. Kawhi should be in there. He's been great for the Clippers. He's been one of the primary reasons for that turnaround. He, I saw a stat that he himself had not lost since like late November. Uh, because he's been on the floor, and when he's been on the floor, the Clippers have been great, and the Clippers have been very, very good, especially around James Harden as well. So Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, and like we'll, we'll start with those two especially, and then Steph Curry. Like Those three, Kawhi, Anthony Davis, Steph Curry, will be three of the seven reserves, unless you're getting... um. Unless you're getting an injury sub for one of those guys, expect those three to definitely control that. So that leaves four spots. And you can look at the standings to really sort of figure out, okay, what, who who actually deserves to be in that spot? Who deserves to be representing the Western Conference? Somebody from Minnesota's got to represent. And I think it's probably going to be Anthony Edwards. And that's fine. That's that's a perfectly reasonable representative for sure. He's been very, very good. And he's one of the guys that the NBA wants to feature. And he also just made it last year. So I think that Anthony Edwards next to Steph Curry, those two will take the backup backcourt spots. Um, so that leaves two wild cards. And I didn't fill out the other front court position. Uh, if we are saying that... Anthony Davis and Kawhi Leonard, both in the front court, obviously. I think that between DeMontis Sabonis, Alperin Shangun, and I guess you could go Paul George. I guess you could go Zion Williamson or Brandon Ingram, one of those two. Uh, you could go uh, you could go Lowry Markkinen, but there, I, I guess you could go Lowry Markkinen. You could go Rudy Gobert. You could go probably not Carl Anthony Towns, but you could go Chet Holmgren. Like there's a lot of names that you could go with in the front court. And so one of those like one of those will be filled. But because of that, because of all those different names that you could offer, the backcourt then, like, you gotta get wild card spots. You get two in each western in each conference. And I'm going to guess that at least one of those wild card spots is going to be Devin Booker. Because like as long as he's healthy and as long as like He's out there. He's one of the guys that the NBA is going to want to feature. He's been very good throughout his time, and his numbers individually are still very good. 
uh, if you compare him and Jamal Murray. Uh, they are very similar, very similar in terms of numbers. Booker's are probably a little bit more point guard centric. He has the ball in his hands a little bit more than Jamal does. And that is fine. That's that's a perfectly reasonable thing because they've been playing without a point guard and they don't have Jokic in their center. So like, think, look about it this way. Devin Booker's averaging 26.4 points per game, 7.9 assists per game on 47, 38, 88. Jamal Murray is averaging like 20.6 and then 6.4 assists per game. So like just the volume of numbers there aren't there for Jamal when it comes to comparing to somebody like Booker. Now, you get into questions of should you reward winning? Should you reward somebody at the top of the conference? If that's the case, then if you're you're going to give a team like Minnesota two all-stars because they've been at the top, you're getting Anthony Edwards and Rudy Gobert. If you're getting OKC, you're probably doing uh, Shea Gilgis-Alexander and Chet Holmgren. So there's a couple of wild cards that are probably taken up there. Alperin Shangun, who like is playing right now for the above 500 Houston Rockets. Somehow, some way, they are still above 500. Uh, he's clearly their best player. He's clearly their most valuable player. So all of this to say, all of this to kind of like highlight this unfortunate reality for Jamal, he doesn't play in the Eastern Conference. He doesn't play in a situation where it is so easy to make it at, at that level. It's just it's just so much easier in the East. And like you could like the other the other aspect of it is the way that Denver kind of runs their offense and the way that they they don't really stagger a ton. Jamal hasn't really staggered a ton, despite the fact that he could. I think that if he had for the entire season, if he had played 33 to 35 minutes a night, staggering in the minutes that Jokic doesn't play, and then made it his goal to carry a high usage and, and like control the offense with the second unit, I think he could have made it. Him having the hamstring injury, and then kind of being on a minutes restriction for a while, coming off of a couple sprained ankles. Like he's just been in a tough spot. He's he's had to miss a bunch of games. And uh, on the season, Denver's played 38 games as a team. Jamal Murray himself has only played 24. So despite the fact that the numbers, the efficiency are there, and you could go to a lot of other metrics, like he is currently like a plus 4.8 BPM which is very high. It's like in the top 25 for sure, uh, which would technically be a very reasonable uh, all-star opportunity. Um, that would be great for him, but it's, he's not going to make it there. He is at... Man, did he drop in the... Uh, oh, he's dropped in EPM. He's dropped down to 32 in EPM because he had a, a pretty bad game against uh, against Orlando. So... Look, he's probably not going to make it, and that's sad for me. That's sad for him because he has a stipulation, obviously, in his next contract opportunity that if he makes All-NBA, if he makes All-Star, then there are opportunities to make a Supermax as opposed to just the normal Max. And for Denver, that's both a blessing and a curse because he's probably not going to make that because the NBA is just very, very talented. And they're going to be able to pay him less and that's going to be good for the nuggets as a team because they're going to be able to afford having other guys on their team without paying two super maxes at the same time. So that'll be a good thing for the nuggets. Uh, 
But for Jamal Murray specifically, he bet on himself this offseason and didn't, decided not to sign a contract extension. And now he will probably still have the same offer on the table. And especially if Denver wins, if they uh, go deep into the playoffs once again, he'll still have that. But uh, I think he is probably going to be a guy just in his career that only makes the All-Star game once or twice. I think he'll make it at some point. I'm not sure when it's going to be. He's still in his age 26 season this year. So like he's he's got plenty of time. It's not it's not like this is going to pass him by immediately, but it could be next year, could be the year after, could be the year after that. It's probably not going to be this year. Despite the fact that this is a career year. I know people are confused a little bit. They don't necessarily see it that way. Murray's averaging a career high now in usage rate, a career low in turnover rate, and a career high in assist rate. The shot efficiency hasn't been there. He's at 58.6 true shooting percentage, and the EFG percentage, the effective field goal percentage, uh, is at 54.8. He's had years where he's been at 55.9. But if he could continue to go on a hot shooting run, then maybe he deserved it. Maybe he'll earn it. But from a statistical perspective, it would be shocking to me for him to be voted in as a as a reserve, just because there are a lot of players that deserve it that deserve it in the West, and definitely some that deserve it over him, based off of what he has done this season. Now, if the coaches are like, you know what, we know what this guy does in the playoffs, we really value that, and he's having a good enough year that we could justify putting him in, then maybe they try that. Now. He'll have to go on a run over the course of this next uh, these next couple weeks, I'm going to say. He's going to have to go on a run, like averaging 35, 30, 30 to 35 points per game or something like that over the course of the next couple weeks. Because I, I'm not sure when the voting returns are going to end up being, whether when the choices are being made. I'm pretty sure they're at the end of January. But if he were able to kind of bounce back and have just this massively efficient and volume shooting run. Maybe it changes. Maybe it changes his mind. It's about, like Denver's about to go on a five-game road trip next week, and they are going to uh, have some opportunities to play in front of other coaches and in other arenas. And if Murray shows out in those moments, especially on national TV, then who knows? Maybe Maybe that changes the tenor a little bit. But right now, I'd put the chances of him getting into the All-Star game at like 10 to 15%. They're not that high. And with Jokic, it's 100. With any other nugget, it's zero. Murray, it's like 10 to 15%. And that 10 to 15, it only goes up if he goes off over the course of these next couple weeks. So we will see. We will see whether he can do it. I'm curious to see. Like, selfishly, I want that for him. And I want that for the Nuggets because I... I know everybody knows this, but the Nuggets are more than just Nikola Jokic. Jokic is at the center of everything. He is a top 10 player of all time. He is going to go down as one of the greatest in NBA history. But for Denver to kind of, like, if they're able to win multiple titles and, like, go on these crazy runs with only one all-star on their team and only ever one all-star on their team, that would be historically significant. Uh, So some people may not want that. Some people may... Or some people may want that. Some people may want that for Jokic, where it really props up his own legacy if Jamal Murray doesn't make it. I prefer to celebrate the entire team. So 
it is what it is. Should be fascinating. I'm I'm curious to see what uh, we we get done. So should be fun. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Thank you so much for tuning into the show. Really appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. Make sure to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button down below. That would be greatly appreciated. Uh, probably no podcast on Tuesday, but I may podcast on Wednesday night after the game. Uh, we will see what happens there, but I, I haven't decided fully on my schedule. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into the show. Uh, We'll talk to you guys very soon.